0: we never could have saw this coming this technology the volume and the speed of what's possible is why we're so overwhelmed so we treat email a lot in the same way as like old letter writing old snail mail but the volume and speed is just what's made it so overwhelming so bringing it back more to, you know, the email often acts as a to-do list for a lot of people. And so what that's become is anyone in the world can write in at any time and add to your to-do list. And that's an impossible expectation to keep up with.
1: This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Just imagine that you never had to look at your email inbox, read or reply to any emails ever again. How much free time would you have? What could you use that time for in your business or in your personal life? That is a question I explored with Claire Giovino in today's episode of the Ideas Lab podcast, because she has set up a business to do exactly this for people, to make it possible. She launched Inbox Done in 2017 and has grown the business to multiple six figures in just 11 months with zero startup capital. She currently manages a growing team of remote inbox managers and upwards of 3,000 plus emails a day, all while traveling the world, or at least until recently. So I wanted to ask her, what are we all getting wrong about email? And if we want to move away from our own inbox and stop it dominating our working day, how do you really outsource something that is so fundamental to what we do day in and day out? And also want to find out how Claire has made such a success of Inbox InboxDarn and how she's made that work in a partnership with Yaro Starak, who is one of the founders, one of the pioneers of internet marketing and blogging. So it's going to be a great episode. Let's dive in. Claire, thanks very much for joining us. I've got to ask you the question, you know, about email and how to make it work for people because this is your business that you've built. What are we doing wrong with email? I'm a disaster area of email. What are people typically (laughs) getting wrong with their email inbox?
0: Mm. The most common issue for myself included is rereading the same email multiple times and taking no action with it. So (laughs) on average, it's, you know, three to four times per email, which is just wasted energy, wasted time throughout the day. You know, even if we're not consciously aware of it, our brain is still lodging that one email up in our brain, which is causing clutter. And then you add hundreds of emails to that. And that's what creates those backlogs in our inboxes too, um, because we don't have clear set rules for how to handle each email.
1: So what you're saying—that's really interesting. I hadn't hadn't really kind of connected the dots between multiple readings and this, in, you know, this buildup in your inbox. But what, what do you mean by rules? What kind of rules might you apply to emails?
0: Yeah. So some of them we do automatically. You already have rules in your head for, you know, this is an email I always delete. This is an email I always forward. This is something I always file. Um, but some things we've just never taken the time to say. Okay, this is the template that will always be sent out when I receive this type of email. Um, you know, or someone else on my team can handle. There's there's no reason I need to be handling this. This will always be a forward. Um, and so a lot of people do. They unconsciously have created rules in their head, um, but just have never documented them. Um, and so if you're looking to teach someone how to handle your email that process will either be drawn out of your head um, or created with somebody.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I've been frustrated and I don't know if there is any technical solution that you know of for this, but there are certain emails I want to always forward to the same place. And there doesn't appear to be any way to do a keyboard combination that says forward this to this person.
0: Right. Right. So you can create a filter for that easily where it will um, skip your inbox entirely because the goal is for you to have to sift through as little as possible in your inbox. So you can set up a filter that will forward it to the address you want it to go to, and then it will add it to a, you know, if you don't want it to delete or disappear, it can also, uh, the filter can also put it in a specific folder for you too.
1: Yeah, I mean, the challenge for me is that it's, I've got so many things that class as receipts. I want to, whenever I see a receipt, forward it to my receipt System which scans it, and you. But the problem is, you can only set up a rule dependent on the content. So I'd have to do it for every kind of receipt I ever receive, and I'm too lazy to do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where the the psychology of it comes in, which is the most interesting part to me. Honestly, this is never like a industry or field I thought I'd be getting into, but the psychology of uh, setting up a system to begin with, that serves you for the rest of your life. It's a little bit of a uh, overcoming that hurdle of, okay, this is going to take a little bit more time now, but it's going to save me hours and hours of time down the road.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Valid. <laughs> and <laughs> so what you do for people with inbox done is you take people's email, you, you, just to take email away from people you kind of people can outsource their inbox to somebody else to you or to your business rather um but i'm i imagine there's a lot of resistance i think people would have all sorts of fears around that i immediately think like i'm not a person who thinks in terms of systems and processes which you have a feeling you probably do and so to Mm me it's all one massive uh, you know unsystematic mess but I could never apply any rules to so yeah. some of that you know for instance how do I separate the stuff for, for one of the first thoughts occurs to me is sometimes I get private emails and they come to my same account and um, you know how do, I can't stop my friends from using an email address that they poked into their uh, email program three years ago they're still going to email me about something so how do I separate that out and mm-hmm. you know, and then, like, can people really answer for me? What if something falls through the cracks? So are these kind of things that you have to deal with with customers all the time
0: all the time, yep, and there's some technical answers to what you said, and then there's the some psychological answers there. um there some people will never be okay with it. You know, the inbox is a very personal space, and so that's totally fine. But for the people who are Ready and open to the process. Um, You know, people come to us when they feel overwhelmed with their inbox or they realize what a time suck it's become. Um, But kind of the more hidden pain point that we're solving is finding you somebody who has been trained and who is qualified and who knows all the systems so you don't have to know the systems. Like that would not be your job as the client to build the systems and know what questions to ask. We're going to ask all those questions for you and draw the information out of you and what already lives up in your brain. Um, but yeah, all that resistance is there. It can be, you know, the resistance of, well, I'm the only one who could ever answer this type of email. Uh, it's not quite true. You know, when it comes to your specific niche of expertise, yes, no one's ever going to replace you and, you know, the overlap of all your skill sets and, um, but you can train someone to think like you. And so that's what we're really doing is bringing in this assistant who really becomes the representative of you and your business. And instead of just delegating to them, they're learning how to make decisions like you in the inbox. So it's really a lot of people are looking to clone themselves in the inbox. Um, And that's our aim. And that's what brings about the um, assurance and the trust once they see that process playing out. And people responding just like them or even better than them sometimes.
1: Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's the, I am I, I suppose I'm still getting my head around this. Um, and you do that by a process of, of determining, I mean, okay, so let, let's dive into this a little bit. Uh, yeah. If I was going to sign up with inbox done, what are some of the things you would work with me to do at first in, in. How do you approach that onboarding process? Because at the moment, it seems like you know some sort of magic I don't understand.
0: <laughs> well, this is years that have gone into these systems, so I wouldn't expect you know it to be this black and white thing right out the gate. So first, is just looking at where you're at right now. How many hours are you spending in your inbox? Um you know what platform is it Outlook? Is it Gmail? Is it uh, Apple Mail? What are you using? Is it more on your desktop? Is it more on your phone? Um, Because we want to match your style in whatever way you're looking at your email. Um, How often would you like to check it? A lot of clients have these really small goals like, well, maybe if I could take off an hour a day, that would be great. But we've gotten clients to the point where they now just check their email once a month or not at all. And so your, your willingness to let go, and I know it doesn't happen overnight, it's a very gradual process. Leads to you you know this freedom from your inbox and freedom from the anxiety of email and feeling like there's always something there that needs your attention um, as much as you're able to let go.
1: That's that's interesting. Presumably, I mean, some of those. It's not like I never want to see those emails. There must be a point at which they come back to me. Ask you know the person who's working with me in inbox done would ask me what response is appropriate or something? I mean, how does that work?
0: Yeah, exactly. So one thing our clients say a lot is I want to be out of my inbox, but stay in the loop. So it wouldn't give you peace and assurance to not have to do email anymore, but have no idea what's going on in your own business. So there's many ways we can do that. It can be a recap at the end of every day of here's what's happened. Here's all the FYIs. Here's what I sent out. Here's what still needs your attention. Or we have some clients who still, they can't help themselves. They still log into the inbox all the time. But just the knowledge that they don't have to actually do anything is huge. They just see everything being handled uh, for them.
1: Okay, I like this. And presumably I can get that. I like that daily summary. And I can't imagine what I do without, without, without all that stuff to do, which is an interesting question, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's the question. And that is exactly, that's what we asked. One of the first things in the onboarding process is we promise we're going to get you so much free time back. So how are you going to fill that time? It's this, this, you know, email is like one of the ultimate procrastinators, uh, you know, that keeps us feeling busy and productive, but not ever quite moving us towards like the big goals and the big things that we want to create.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I noticed when I moved to Gmail and I was a little bit reluctant to do it because I think it's a little bit kind of clunky, but um, I know people are big fans. In algorithm terms, it's great, but it just looks ugly and I don't like ugly looking things in technology. And so, uh, but I moved over to Gmail and I discovered it was saving me something like two hours a day because with the automatic filtering of, uh, the spam filtering is a lot better, first of all, than I was using Apple Mail. And spam filtering is a lot better, the, but also the sifting into promotions and updates is really useful because the number of stuff coming into my actual inbox, for anyone who doesn't know Gmail, is now quite small. And yeah. what I do is, particularly when I'm busy, like when I've got a deadline or I'm travelling or something, I just if I just keep up with the with the, the main inbox, I know it, life's not going to fall apart usually, unless something sneaks into mm. updates. It's actually quite important, um, like. British Gas says, you know, we didn't receive your last payment, we're going to cut your gas off or something like that. You know, <clears throat> it's good fallen under updates because that's where their normal um, uh, updates come from. So as long as I scan that every so often, and then the promotions, if I don't read it for so- several days, it doesn't actually matter anyway. So I will scan up it and then see like, okay, I want to read that, that and that. And if I'm busy, I just won't. So already I can see how that that level of, of sifting I mean it was quite shocked but I was literally saving I should have been able to logically do that in my head as I was looking at my inbox and go well that's just a promo and that's just a regular update but that's an important email but it wasn't happening and so yeah. I can only imagine what the saving would be if I moved to a service like yours
0: and people started replying for you yeah that's the thing. We only we we all have a limited bandwidth, we, you know, and, and limited decision making uh, energy for any given day. And all of those minor decisions add up and take away from you know the bigger decisions that we have to make in a day. Yeah, that's fascinating because those those extra the promotions and social actually stresses me out because my OCD. I know there's like stuff sitting there, right. And I just want it all to be clear. So I'm glad that's working for yeah. you. Yeah.
1: No, and I've also got another system that's worked for me, and I remember talking to somebody on Twitter who's quite famous for productivity, and he was sceptical. And um, I can't remember who it was now. Uh, but I have a thing. I, have a, I set up a, uh, a link which shows me just today's emails, which is for the last 24 hours. And then mm-hmm. I've also gone on for two days, three days. And so often I'll be overwhelmed looking look at my inbox because I do not clear it. And uh, But if I look at one day it starts off looking like a lot and very quickly it sifts down to almost nothing because there's a bunch of stuff which I've already dealt with which just needs filing or deleting.
0: And mm-hmm. then
1: it comes down very quickly to like, okay, actually I'm now lo- no longer behind at least on this day. And so for me, that's another thing that works. It's kind of managing, I have to manage my own perfectionism and because mm-hmm. I don't have a good way of dealing with everything to the level of perfectionism that I cope with. And I think... um I think the other thing I've noticed I I use my PA for um, is that I I find there's a difference between knowing what the answer is for somebody on an email and writing an email with that answer in it. And speaking as as a former software engineer, we talk in networking terms, like I studied networks when I was at college and did networking software, Um, and we talk about handshaking and there's this handshaking before and after every transmission of information, which is basically just crud. It's just it ensures that the transmission goes OK. And to me, the hi, how are you doing? How's thingy? Whatever. And then insert actual thing you want to say signed off by hope everything's going fine. See <laughs> so yeah. Stay safe, as everyone's saying <laughs> at the moment. Um, it's just like as a, as a programmer, I sometimes just go like, can some other human do that? And just tell them, like, no or yes in the body of the email, but make it sound less rude than when I'm saying it because I tend to be a little bit blunt uh, just because I I feel in a hurry and I just stuff doesn't trip off the tongue for me. And that's part of the function of somebody take – because often you know what you need to say, which is like, no, I can't do what you've just asked, or yes, but I'm going to need this. But you need to buffer it with with a load of, like – like, I know you're a human and you have feelings about this.
0: <laughs> exactly. I see you. I'm a human. You're a human. Exactly. And that's where the, the email assistant can really write even better for you. And when, especially once they learn those answers, you know, what's actually the core answer in this email. And also research, research has shown that we don't, uh, tend to read the whole email, especially if it gets too lengthy. And so putting that action point in the first sentence or two is is still really important because then you're most likely to get a response and most likely to grab attention. Uh, but yeah, and and even in, um, uh, is for a business owner, or say you have a lot of emotional bias and ties to your business. And so having like a third party come in um, they can actually write sales emails even better. Um, you know, build those relationships and cultivate those relationships sometimes even better than the owner, which is fascinating to watch.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I heard somebody about who outsourced their sales calls and, and um and they expected conversions to go down, but they were gonna factor it in because they'd be able to do more sales calls. Conversions actually went up. Exactly. <laughs> and that's yep. interesting. Love that. So uh, I want to know a little bit about how you built this business. Before we do this, I, I think just to finish on this point for anybody who who's, um, who's really struggling and feels like their inbox is, is completely out of control and has 12,000 unread emails. What, what is like the very worst thing that we do that dooms us to failure in email? Is there something in particular? Mm-hmm. Is it just a hard slog that we've got to work through it every day? Or is there something stupid we're all doing?
0: No, no one's stupid. It's and, and it's I don't think we have to slog through every day. I think it's tweaking um, our expectations for ourselves and then other people's expectations. So in a way, we're almost um, I advocate for kind of conditioning the people that you are writing to. If people get used to uh, hearing from you within 20 minutes, then that's what they're going to expect. And that's, you know, the pace at which they're going to communicate with you. Um, but, you know, we never could have saw the the this coming, this technology, the volume and the speed of what's possible is why we're so overwhelmed. So we treat email a lot in the same way as like old letter writing, old snail mail. Um, but the volume and speed is just what's made it so overwhelming. So bringing it back more to... Um, you know the email often acts as a to-do list for a lot of people and so what that's become is anyone in the world can write in at any time and add to your to-do list and that's an impossible expectation to keep up with and i understand if you're in a job and you know there's certain expectations about response times built into your job that's one thing um but there are still ways to work around that and so really figuring out, okay, is an hour response time expected of me? Is 24 hours okay? Which is what we advocate for. Um, And then just realizing you do not have to respond to every single email. You really don't. Um, And being that intentional about, uh, you know, choosing where I'm going to put my time and focus is, you know, right out the gate, one of the most important things you can do um, alongside minimizing what's actually coming in. And so you can minimize by doing mass unsubscribes or setting up all those filters so the the volume of what you're actually seeing every day is reduced to
1: right okay that's some good tips like that so how did you this business is doing very well now and uh, of inbox done and um i'm interested in the journey because i help people start businesses so i'm I'm curious how that was, was the formation that, did that come from you working with Yarrow Starok, uh, providing a service for him or what was the beginning? When did you first think this could be a business?
0: Yeah. So Yarrow was my client for a while before we decided to launch this business together. And essentially Yarrow's been ahead of the game in that he outsourced all these different parts of his business. Um, but email still was kind of a pain point. And so I optimized his inbox in a lot of ways and, and, um, boosted these systems there so that he got to the point where he was only checking once a month and he, we kind of wondered together if we combined our mutual networks, um, you know, could this be, uh, what I had done for him? Could we package it up and sell it to other CEOs, professionals, business owners, Um, so we did a beta testing first and just very much staying small and within, um, you know, his network and it worked. I was, I was in the beginning doing multiple (laughs) inboxes and at the start, and then, um, you know, staying up all hours because I was trying to stay on everybody's different time zones. And so then the next question was, could I train other people to follow these systems and procedures and ask the, the questions that were needed Um, So then we brought on our first inbox manager. um, And now, yeah, we have a team that's constantly growing of inbox managers from around the world.
1: And it was yet so when you started, were you just providing it for Yarrow yourself? Was that the idea? Mm -hmm. And so that's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm always interested in that path of from from idea to business. And it you, you did something which I often recommend to client, which is you know, you first of all, you create a business that was based on something you're already doing, but you proved it by, first of all, doing it for Yarrow and then doing it for a small selection of his clients and delivering it yourself and then going and hiring other people and proving that you can get them to give as good a service as you. And now you probably have all sorts of other fun challenges like scaling a business and changing your role in it and managing a team and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I never wanted to be the bottleneck of this business. And that's ironically what we see in our clients is for as long as they are the ones doing their email and feeling like they're the only ones who can do their email, they often remain the bottleneck and it prevents that scaling from happening. So yeah, now the biggest focus is building awareness because all of those tiers of management have been built and um, yeah, all the systems are in place.
1: Wow. And and what's your plans from here? Um, are you you're taking on new people all the time? I assume. I mean, if you, where do you see yourself going next with it? That's
0: a good question. Um, I am very into slow growth. I've never been in a hurry to expand or to scale. Um, I think Yaro and I balance each other out really well in that way. Um, and so, you know, I would like. I have no plans um beyond you know keeping it a boutique service because i love the relationship building that happens and the relationship between client and inbox manager you know they these relationships have now been going on for years um and you know they they become such a crucial part of each client's team and so really focusing on that relationship cultivation i think aligns with that slow growth um but yeah, you mentioned before the benefits of aligning with a partner when you're starting a business. And that was a huge part of it is I love uh, being able to bounce ideas off of Yarrow and talk with him. And I know the growth has come because of our interaction, our collaboration and tapping into each other's, you know, mutual audiences too.
1: And I think that's really it, it sounds like you're good you're a good kind of different personalities and you complement each other. And he has a big following because he was one of the pioneers in blogging and internet marketing from from yeah. uh, God knows, twenty years probably. And um and you know you 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 sound like more of a systems and processes person. He sounds like a typical speedy creative entrepreneur who has a billion ideas. And so um that's a good combination and, and he's got a his massive following and are exactly the kind of people who need you and your service. So I think that's a good lesson for anybody who wants to start a business, to find a partner who brings a compliment. Because I think what often people do is they they partner with somebody who's exactly like them, like their friend. It's like, oh, we're both creative. Let's go and create this business. It's like well, now who's going to remember to file the insurance forms and everything else? You know, all that stuff gets missed.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And he's very aware of, I mean, knowing what you're good at is as important as knowing what you're not good at. And hiring was one of the things where he knew he needed someone to step in for. So, yeah, there's that awareness that you can, your partner can act as a mirror in a lot of ways in your business.
1: Mm. Oh, great. And are you effectively location independent or do you go traveling a lot? I, I heard some mention of you I
0: do being a traveler. Yeah. But
1: that not was at the moment, presumably, first... because at the time recording, this is, we're all in lockdown, but... This is what do you normally do have you you've got a home base presumably have you
0: Yeah my home base is Portland Oregon that's where I am now um but yeah again that was the you know everyone I think asking why you're starting a business I think people think starting a business brings all this time freedom right out the gate you don't have your 9 to 5 anymore and you don't have your boss but it brings this whole other host of responsibilities and now it's on you to how are you going to fill each day and um, find bringing clients. And so my initial motivation was just geographic, uh, independence and being able to live anywhere and work remotely. And then once I achieved that, I realized, okay, the next level of freedom is not exchanging my time for money. And so that's like the next level of freedom. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could, I was just in Paris for almost a month, uh, over the fall. And I was able to do that because other people were running the business.
1: Yeah. And that sounds great. Yes. Asia is the place I normally go to. I spend a month in Bali at the end of last yeah. year and a month in Thailand, just as the the coronavirus was taking off. And, wow. um, and despite the fact that I came home in mid-February when it was obvious things were, were going seriously badly wrong it's apparently here we are in mid-April and we still haven't got enough of everything for what we're supposed to, you know, like personal (laughs) protection equipment and so on. It's bizarre when I was debating whether to go to Bangkok, uh, which I was flying out of, and whether to travel around Bangkok because I thought it might be risky. And, uh, and yeah, so that's two months ago, and that was apparently not enough on the mindsets of our leaders in the world to actually get ourselves ready for things. So yeah, well hopefully we'll all be let out in a while and maybe I guess I think it might be next year before we go on any big location independent jaunts, people like you and I. Yeah. But that's yeah. been really interesting to to hear about Inbox Done. If people want to hear if people want to find out more, I think you had um uh they go to inboxdone.com, first of all. And you mm-hmm. said there was an offer of a free discovery call for someone who wants to talk it through.
0: Yeah, inboxdone.com slash discovery. Um, that would just be you know, similar to what we're doing now, honestly, just answering any questions you have about how the process works because there's usually a lot of intrigue and also a lot of how exactly would that happen. Um, but it can also act, yeah, as a free consultation for just where you're at in your inbox right now.
1: yeah, yeah, it feels almost a bit like handing your child over to a to a yeah. child minder, just like. This is definitely going to be okay, isn't
0: it? Right, your baby, yeah. yes.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'm not a parent, so maybe that's a wildly inappropriate comparison. But anyway. no. Yeah, okay, well, that's been great, Claire. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you, John. Appreciate it.
1: If you've enjoyed this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast, we'd love you to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you do, you have a chance of having your review read out by me, as I'm about to do for Leslie, who left a lovely review recently saying, I love every episode of John's podcast. The guests are all really interesting and the topics ones I am unlikely to come across elsewhere. John is a really animated interviewer and I always feel like I'm in the conversation. Thanks, Leslie. And anything you can do to rate or review the podcast or share it with others will help other people to discover it. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.